Tonight, for only the 11th time in 16 months, the Federal Reserve has lifted interest rates. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. All right, so if you go back in time, it was March 16th of 2022, where interest rates, they were basically zero. Mortgage rates were down. 30-year rates were around 2.5% or so. Um, Housing market, because of that, was crazy. Labor market, crazy. But inflation started rising, and the Fed eventually, and this is my big beef, that the Fed took forever to realize, hey, this inflation thing is for real, and they had to do something. So they started raising rates. It was a year ago, a, a, a couple more months than a year ago. And now interest rates sit in the five and a quarter to five and a half percent range. Ruby, what, were you surprised? No, not at up. all. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, it, what, what was it? A 96% chance that this was going to happen? Yeah. I, it's like the moon landing, which I know is way before your time, but the <laughs> first one was a big deal. Everybody paid attention to now. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. Let's move on. Yeah. We kind of knew this was going to happen. No big deal. Really? The, the moon landing wasn't a big deal. That was a big deal. You made it sound like it wasn't. It was, but by the third or fourth, <laughs> it all of a sudden yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- these these are not a surprise at this point. Obviously, there was a pause last time to see what was going to happen. Uh, but today, the the feds, they did raise uh, rates another quarter of a percent. And, and, you know, when, when they met in June, that, that, that was uh, that pause to wait to see what was going to go on. Um, strong labor market, sticky core I, I, I inflation. I think that's, that's what's got the Fed uh, a little, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say confused, but it, it doesn't make it a clean picture of, hey, this happened, this happened, and this is why we have to do this. Um, you would expect the labor market to have softened up a lot at this point after all hasn't. of these. It hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's still as strong as ever. And I think that's what what has the Fed worried and why they said, you know what, we do have to raise rates at least one more time. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, core inflation, again, that strips out energy and, and food costs because of yeah. the inherent volatility of them. It, it's sitting at 4.8%, which is above the Fed's 2% target. So good news that the rate is dropping. But again, there's a lag effect to see how long these interest rates are going to have an impact on the economy. And I I think a lot of people say, what do you mean strip out the cost of energy and food? We eat, we drive. But but those are the most volatile components. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if the price of gas drops 20 cents a gallon in a month, you might have negative inflation where, you know, you just went grocery shopping and it cost 85 bucks for what normally costs you 75 bucks. So, I I, you know, I think that's why they strip out some of these volatile uh, components and pay more attention to those indexes than than maybe just the consumer price index, which is what most average people look at, which, by the way, in June dropped down to three percent that was almost ten percent a year ago so you know they definitely are gaining traction with raising interest rates bringing inflation down that was the whole purpose of that's the reason they they increase interest rates is to get inflation more under control and closer to that two percent target yeah and exactly and they, they haven't risen this quickly in a long time just, yeah. just like you said a moment ago, it was a little frustrating that it took them so long to start raising. Oh, I was aggravated yeah, because it was obvious gonna... to anybody in our industry. Hey, inflation. OK, it went up again last month. It was up the month before that. And it looks like it might go up even more next month. And the Federal Reserve did nothing for about four months so yeah. that they had to play catch up. Yeah, it's sitting on their hands, twiddling their thumbs, whatever you might yeah. want to say. And, and here we are. Interest rates rise as fast as they did. And 
at this point, interest, how about the history of interest rates? When, hey, well, when were gotta, they this high last? You got you got to go back to before the 08 crash, mm -hmm. which is kind of scary because when, when you take a, a hard look, we forget this stuff so quickly. Yeah, you know, but the economy in 2005 and 2006 was so strong. We had come off the the technology bubble that had burst. I, I mean, yeah. 2000 uh, 2002 horrendous years for the stock market. The economy was in the doldrums, and when it took off, it took off hard, and, and we started to see some phenomenal growth in the U.S. economy to the point where the Fed said, hey, we got we to gotta slow this down a little bit, kind of like they're doing now, and they raised rates quite a bit. Yeah. I think what scares a lot of people is, okay, they did that in 2005 and 2006, and then 2008 happened. You know, is that the next thing on the horizon? I don't see it, but I, I know more than a couple of people listening are saying, yeah, I, I, I've been to this party. I, I remember how it ended. Yeah, you bring up a good, you bring up a really good point, but the, the market's totally yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. Totally the, different. The, the markets, again, they're like walking up the stairs while playing with a yo-yo. Over the long term, they're yeah. going to go up, but we are going to have those downs uh, in between, which is why we invest for the long term. I, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I'm going to predict no interest rate increases by the Federal Reserve in August. None. They don't meet in August. Yeah, they meet in they September. Meet. <laughs> yeah. you, you threw me a curveball there. You, you, thought I was like, going, huh. you thought I was going out on a limb. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Next nah, time they meet better. in September, so I'm with, I'm with you on that one. There, but, there, there it, will be, I can guarantee, no interest rate hikes in August. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting, though, in, in, in September because – these interest rate increases, they are gaining traction. They yeah. are bringing inflation down. Whatever's bringing inflation, it's working. Okay. So that part I like. And, and the question I've got is, are they done? That, that you know, we don't know. But they, I think there's a good case to be made that maybe they've done enough. And, and you know, we'll see come September what they decide to do. We yep. sure will. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby, and we're talking about the Fed one more time raising interest rates. Is this the end of it? Uh, you know, here's the biggest concern I have from people I work with is, is that, um, yeah, I thought we were supposed to have a recession. When is that going to happen? <laughs> and, you know, it, there's always going to be a recession on the horizon. Yes. It's it's like saying, you know, is the sun going to come up? Well, yeah, it's going to come up tomorrow. Um, is there going to be a recession? Yeah, we just don't know when. It could be 10 years from now. But if you go back to October, November of last year, the so-called experts were convinced it was going to happen first quarter of this year of 2023 hasn't happened. You can always find something that supports your own conclusions. That's and, that's easy to do in this day and age with the internet. And people pay attention to negatives. You exactly. know, if you, if you say the sky is falling, you're going to have a whole bunch of people saying, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Even if there's no basis. Yeah, uh, if it bleeds, your, it reads. So the loudest yeah. the loudest people in the room get the most attention. With that said, there, there was a, a latest survey done by the National Association of Business Econo Economists. 71% of Wall Street economists believe that the odds of a downturn in the next 12 months, 12 months, yeah, in the next, next year, month. is 50% or less. Yeah, yeah, How which scares that? me because most people are usually wrong. Yeah, so but, coin flip. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing. The last time the Federal Reserve had to act this intently on reducing interest rates was the late 70s. And Paul Volcker uh, was the president of the Federal Reserve back then. And when slight quarter point increases didn't slow down inflation, 
he put the hammer down mm -hmm. and yeah. he brought the hammer down so hard. Yeah, he got a handle on inflation and threw us into an immediate recession. And it was a severe recession, so severe that as we pulled out of it, back-to-back -back recessions went right back into another recession. Yeah, double-dip recession. We've yeah. talked about that before. Yeah, and, and people that were around back then, they remember it. I mean, it was a brutal period for anybody with money invested. Anyway, you you remember it because recessions were tough. People were out of work. If you didn't lose your job, you were worried about losing your job. And, and I think as a result, now that we're 50 years later doing it again, I think people are assuming you have to have a recession if you're going to address inflation. Yeah, I like you know, Fed Chairman Powell, he, he has made it clear that he doesn't want to repeat the mistakes of those before him yeah. that led to these double dip recessions back in the early 80s. So, you know, he, he set the expectation that there's going to be pain on the horizon. But with with news like this coming out again from the National Association of Business Economists, is it possible that the Fed had its soft landing? And I, there's a lot of people saying there's no way this can happen. But, you know, when you're talking about economics on the national level, I mean, this is a we have a huge diverse economy with, you know, not just a few moving parts, a ton of moving parts. And, and you know, that's that's why Federal Reserve, these guys are are smart people. It's, you know, they're not just, you know, showing up for meetings, having a nice lunch and and saying, hey, what do you think you want to do? You know, they, they're looking at a whole lot of data being crunched by a whole lot of people at work for them, trying to come with whatever conclusions they, they can that make the most sense for for both the economy and, and markets. And the problem is, and I, I don't think a lot of people realize this, there's no equation. There's nothing that says, if you do this, this is the result. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that were the case? Uh, yeah. I don't it, envy the people that have to make these decisions. Yeah, you, you know, so so in the past, yeah, they've raised interest rates and and it makes sense that that slows down the economy because, all right, it costs, what? wait, wait, wait. I, I'm buying a car and now it's $650 a month instead of $530 a month because of the change in interest rates. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, yeah, you're going to think twice. And, and if you don't buy the car, that means they don't have to produce as many, maybe some layoffs at the factory. That's the way this slows down the economy. And that's just one example. But is it possible that they can raise interest rates to the point where okay, it slows the economy down, but doesn't throw us into a recession. It doesn't go overboard to the point where there are a ton of layoffs. And maybe that's why that's why the labor market is strong. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, is is a recession required to, to battle inflation? That's my question. TBD. Yeah, <laughs> I think because, again, they're, they're learning from the mistakes of the past. And right now, inflation is dropping. Inflation is falling. Now, we're still feeling it. Obviously, it's a real thing. But we still have that sticky labor market. We we do, and I I I stick to demographics. I just say, okay, um, my wife is one of nine kids. She lived next door to a family where they had eleven kids. Catholics in cold Minnesota, things happen. Uh, you things know, happen. <laughs> but I, I'm one of four. But you know, my kids one uh, one son has two, the other son has three. Three is almost unusual anymore. You've got fewer working age people in the workplace and a whole bunch of old people like me that want to go out to dinner because we're either retired, close to retirement, um, whatever the case is, and, and wondering, wait a second, where are all the servers? You know, what's going on here? And, and I think the answer is not so much that the economy is that strong. 
it's that there aren't as many people available for work. That's that's the bottom line. So I, I, I don't know. The Fed's got their work cut out for them. And with the lag time of, all right, we're going to raise interest rates, but we're not going to know the impact for a good six, nine months or so. Maybe a couple of pauses to collect data and see what happens is is the best way to go. And again, they're not going to do anything in August because they don't meet in August. They meet in September. So we'll see what happens then. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. We'll find out what happens with the economy as the next couple of months progress. But um, I, I, I'm hoping this is the last interest rate rise. And I, I, I really expect sometime within six months, we start talking about interest rate cuts. Yeah, that would be nice. Coming up next, are you taking advantage of high yield savings account rates? Millions of people are. What that could mean for the stock market and your 401k, that's coming up next. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Hey, if you can't listen to Simply Money every night, just subscribe to get our daily podcast. We put it out there on the interweb the next day so you can listen to it wherever you happen to be. And if you've got some buddies that can use some financial advice, tell them too. just search Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight ahead, we're putting our thinking caps on because we're going to answer some of your investing questions. We're going to do Ask the Advisor. That's at 643. All right, Ruby. So the end times are near. This is just one more example of why that's the case. <laughs> Pretty soon at Whole Foods, you're going to be able to go in and you don't have to go through the extensive effort to reach for your wallet. You can just put your palm on a reader. I guess that would be a palm reader. Yeah, I guess and, so. And, this, and this is so it. weird. This is so this is, weird to this me. This is goofy. Yeah. yeah. So it's called Amazon One. And, the, and you know, the argument here is that you're saving time at the register because you don't have to pay with your wallet or your phone. Yeah. It's literally using the palm of your hand. There's there's 200 Whole, Whole Foods stores across the country that are already uh, deploying these devices. <laughs> Not here in Cincinnati yet. No, no. Because I don't know. as Mark Twain said, everything happens 10 years later in Cincinnati. That's why he would want to die here. <laughs> yeah, good point. I mean, yeah. it, now now I guess you can overpay for stuff using the palm of your hand. Yeah. It, it, it's weird. We, we don't have flying cars, but we have this. Yeah. But, What's you, that all but you know what? There is some security in this because, okay, somebody can hack your credit card. And, and you know, I, it's never happened to me, but I'm sure it's happened to more than a couple of yeah. people listening. Um, you can't hack your your the palm of your hand. It's it's kind of like your fingerprint. Well, it's it's to, exclusive. They go deeper. The, this this technology reads your underlying vein structure, okay, and, and creates that a uh, numerical representation. So you're going to put your palm on on a reader at Whole Foods and come off with just a a, a burning stump. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I, I mean, <laughs> what, how the heck do they read the vein structure? I, I don't know. I mean, Panera, Coors Field in Colorado, they, they've already begun using Amazon yeah. One. Um, I don't know if I go to Panera, I, I, it's rare, but my wife has an account there and yeah. I, I use our phone number to access the account for, you know, discounts and rewards and stuff like that. And they that. charge off of that. Yeah. I mean, I can't bring her hand. So I, I this, <laughs> th this is a weird technology to me. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm in Cincinnati. Maybe I'm just 10 years. So, so since I know your phone yeah. number, I can go to Panera, I guess. And, and get rewards want. is what it is. It's, it's not paying with ah, it. It's racking dang. up rewards points for well, like a, a free, free biscuit or something. All right. So on a serious note, um, 
we're used to years and years and years of getting basically zero interest on our savings account. And we always preach emergency funds. And, and yeah, okay, if you're going to keep a substantial amount of money in an emergency fund, um, it'd be nice to earn some interest. Well, interest rates are up. And the problem is a lot of people are still accepting almost 0% interest at their bank or credit union because they just assume that's the way it is everywhere. Not really the case. Well, there's a, there's plenty of people taking advantage of it. So a recent note from Bank of America, money market fund assets, they've ballooned to a record $5.3 trillion. Yeah. So inflows actually surged by about $6 billion over the past 10 weeks. You know, and and it's really a bullish sign that there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the smart people out there that are paying attention to the interest being paid, yeah, they're, they're moving money, maybe even out of the stock market if they're a little bit nervous, into these high-yield accounts. I, I mean, right now on a six-month treasury bill, and you could buy those through your, bro- your broker or uh, the Federal Reserve, um, six-month maturity treasury bill, 5.2%. That's significant. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean, you go back two, three years, it was, what, two, three-tenths of a percent, yes. I, I think? So this is a message I want to be careful with because yeah. th- this is happening, you know, for two, why people are fleeing to cash. It's happening for two reasons. First, uh, it's a lag effect of the Fed raising interest rates. It's one of the positives that we see. We can get a higher return on on cash positions. So it's fine and dandy if if you're somebody that has cash on the sidelines Maybe you have right. a, a short-term or intermediate-term goal and you want to put your money to work a little bit more without subjecting it to the risk of the market. The other reason why it's happening is because some folks are spooked from last year's They're downturn, trying to time the market. And they're yeah. trying to time the market. Exactly. So this, this is something that we want to be careful to... to, to and that's, a- that's the bad reason to be using money markets. But it, it believe it or not... A lot of cash, and and what what was the number? Is in the trillions, I I, I think, of cash on the sidelines. Um, the record amount of money that is on the sidelines in cash, earning interest, eventually comes back into the stock market because at some point either the stock market heats up or interest rates come down or both, and that's just more money buying the same number of stocks when you have more of more money buying a limited supply. And guess what? Prices go up and that means the stock market goes up. So it's actually a pretty bullish sign for some point in the future to have record amounts of cash on hand. That that one caught me off guard that there is that much money right now on the sidelines. Yeah, you bring up a good point. If the economy doesn't fall apart and right now it's it's not many, many of these people are going to move that yeah. have their cash parked in these these cash positions. They're going to move back into the market at, at a close time frame to each other, which could uh, cause the markets to peak. So if you've got a lot of money on the sidelines and and you haven't checked what you're earning, maybe you're just in your bank or credit union savings account, I think you should go and ask, hey, what's your money market yielding and what are the restrictions on it? Are, are there only a couple of moves I can make? Is it insured? I think that's always a good question. If you're dealing with a brick and mortar bank, I'd be shocked if it's not. Yeah. But uh, online banks, that's that's a legitimate question. Money markets should be yielding between two and four percent right now. CDs are up in the four to five percent range. And, I, you know, the question I've got is, is this a good time to maybe start thinking about longer than three months or six months? Because at some point the Fed and, and we may be there now, the Fed is going to be done raising rates and they're going to start thinking about cutting rates. And I, I think that's a 
very possible scenario in 2024. I mean, if you go back to 1981, um, if you locked in a five-year CD at, you know, 10%, you were pretty happy for the next five years. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, because rates came down on it quite a bit. So, you know, that that's something I, I think everybody should t- take a look at. And at some point, we're going to have reduced interest rates. Um, think about what you're earning now and how long you want to earn that. Here's the all worth advice. Now is a great time to get good returns on your cash as long as you don't rid your long term investments to do it. Coming up next, we'll take a real life look at how fear and greed play out in the investing world with one of our own. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. Joining us for a very important question is our own Michael Coates. My, Michael, I, I want to talk a little bit about, I, I think these are the two most powerful emotions in investing, and not for good reasons, fear and greed. We, we You know, you've been in the industry a long time. I've been in it a real long time. And, and you know, the, this is a subject that... Uh, I think fear being the negative emotion is the more powerful of the two, but we encounter them every day. Yeah, you're right. I mean, fear is a huge driver for a lot of investors where they look at things and they say, this time is different. Yeah. They're always worried about what could happen and they make decisions that may not be in their best interest. Well, and we saw that during the pandemic. I, I mean, in the early stages of COVID, um, you know, there was a lot of fear, not just about investments, but about, you know, life in general. And, you know, I can't go to work today. What's going on? Nobody's on the highway. And, you know, we were still working remotely and people were just scared, wondering, hey, do I need to get out of my investments? And, and I don't know about you, but I talked a few people off the ledge. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this is a big part about what we do as, as financial advisors, as certified financial planners. So I would like to hear from you. How do you handle those that are, are fearful, first and foremost? Well, I always go back to what our goals are and focus in on why we're doing the things we're doing mm-hmm. and try to pull out from the short term what's going on and look at how does this really impact us? Because if we're not retiring or needing our money for 10, 15 years, there's not a real huge impact there. And it's more about staying invested and staying the course throughout the time period. You know, one of the things that keeps me up at night is people making rash decisions. Yes. Yeah. And I've seen it where people decide to jump out of the markets and, you know, especially now with cash being as high as it is, it seems like, yeah, I'm, you can I'm, justify it more. Yeah. I can go yeah. and get 5% yeah. in a CD, but no risk 5%. Why wouldn't I? Right. But what ends up happening is you make a decision and then you stick with it because tomorrow's not going to be any different. And there's always a reason to be fearful if if that's what you're reading and that's what you're seeing. I think that's that's what you're saying here. Absolutely. There's always a reason and you're going to justify it in your mind and you're going to say it's not getting any better. And then. What you realize after six months is it did get better, and I missed out on a lot of growth. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the folks that I work with, one of the reasons why we lead with, with financial plans and why a lot of fiduciary financial planners should be doing it that way is because it, it enables the, the folks that we work with to see what their long-term financial needs and goals are. Right. At the end of the day, they want to know if their money is going to last longer than they do. 
Correct. And the financial plan will help us shine light on the level of risk that somebody needs to take to meet their goals and the level of risk they need to or that they can afford to take based on their financial situation. So shining light on that is a way to uh, alleviate some of those shorter term concerns. Absolutely. You have to put everything into perspective. And and I, I think a lot of people, especially in times of crisis like the pandemic, you're watching TV, you're listening to the radio and, and everybody's telling you all of these negatives going on. It I mean, it's hard not to think I've got to make a decision. This is important. I've saved this money my whole career. Uh, my 401k is going, dropping like a stone. Uh, I can't let it keep going down. I've got to preserve what I've got. I've heard that. You've heard that. But these markets don't go down forever. That's that's why market timing doesn't work. Correct. And sometimes the decision is to not do anything. And that is a decision. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a choice. Yeah. And that's what I remind people is even though you're not making an actionable item, it does not mean that you're not making the right choice. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby and Michael Coates, also of Allworth Financial. And we're talking about those two incredibly powerful emotions, fear and greed. I, I've seen the other end also. I, I remember at the end of 2022, I fielded, I'm thinking of one phone call I got from a good friend who a um, little bit older and um, just had a CD coming due, which at the time was going to be reinvested at two or three tenths uh, of a percent and said, Steve, I got to get this money working uh, for me. What what do you have? And, and you know, his, uh, I hate to call it greed. I mean, he's a friend, he's not greedy, <laughs> but you know, his, his whole point was, I want to start making money with this money. And I knew this was pretty much the last of his emergency fund that was not invested and he was kind of put off when I said no. But, you know, sometimes you have to say no, even during good times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the opposite side of what we were just talking about with fear is this greed of missing out. You yeah. Know, we're always worried about we're going to miss out on something. We're not going to make the money that we should have. And we buy into hype and we buy into tips. And, you know, working in this industry for a long time now, I've seen it where people call me up and they tell me, oh, I... I got this tip from my friend. I yeah. need to put money in there. And they don't think about the risk. Yeah. They and think about what their friend told I, I, I think we had two situations in the last couple of years between cryptocurrency and, and uh, meme stocks where, where people, Absolutely. you know, fear of missing out. I mean, you know, people were going nuts to buy stuff that they didn't have a clue what the heck they were getting into in a lot of cases. Yeah, it's herd mentality in action. Yeah. We were talking yeah. about that earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people will just jump on the bandwagon. And unfortunately, by the time they take the action, they've already missed getting on the ship. Well, yeah. And and, and the question, you know, I, I, I would ask anybody who, you know, has the next hot stock is, all right, are you the first in or the last out? You know, or last in, I mean, I, I, that's that's the problem is that, that puts yeah. thing in, in things into perspective pretty quickly. So, I mean, I've seen it also where people start to second guess their plans and try to go more risk heavy to try to earn more money. Which is a way of us. timing, right? Absolutely. I mean, even if you're not getting in and out of the markets, adjusting your allocation to be more aggressive or less aggressive is still timing the markets. I, I think a lot of people feel that this is what the big guys do. This is what the rich people do. They jump in and out. And because I, I don't have enough money, my broker, my advisor isn't telling me to do this. I feel like I have to do that. I have to find somebody 
to, to help advise me on when to get in and get out. And, and that's not what the big guys do. No, they no. really don't. No. It, it, more often than not, you know, the, there's there's hedge funds out there that attempt to do things yeah. like that. Yeah. And they're, they're not doing too well right now. We, we had a segment no. on that a couple months ago about the way that hedge funds are yeah. operating right now and, and not even keeping up with the market oftentimes because it's really hard to guess what's going to happen. Well, it, it's a guess. I think that's the key phrase. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and people have this unrealistic expectation based upon things like movies. You know, they see people yelling buy, sell, and they think that that's what we're supposed to do. But, you know, we're making decisions not based upon the hype or what's on the headlines, but what's going on around in the background and thinking about the long-term picture. Coming up next, your favorite segment. We're going to be talking about questions that you submitted on Ask the Advisor. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Straight ahead, how thousands of people are throwing away free money and why you might be also. Hey, if you've got a financial question you'd like for us to answer, just hit that red button while you're listening to the show on the iHeart app, record it. It goes straight to us and might even stick you on the air. Uh, Michael Coates is going to be sticking around helping us out with these questions because, frankly, me and Ruby, we're not that bright. So Thanks, Steve. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll just say, say <laughs> You know I'm stuff. here, right? Uh, you, you can hear me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Michael Coates will be uh, staying with us. And the first question I, I want to run by you, Michael, Cynthia says, I'm freshly retired. I manage my own portfolio. I would like more information on determining the cost basis of mutual funds when I sell shares to generate income. Can I stipulate which shares were sold? Good question. Yeah. And the answer to that is it depends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. there are two ways most firms calculate cost basis. There is individual lots and there is average. Okay. So Average just means as I reinvest my dividends, I get a average cost basis based upon when I buy. Because you're, you're paying taxes on those dividends and you don't pay tax twice on the same dollar you earn, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Versus individual is looking at every single individual purchase and what you bought it at. So when you go to sell that security, you are going to have to determine what version you use. And then that becomes the permanent and version. And stick with it. Yeah. Cause you can't change. You can't, yeah, you can't say, go back and I'm, forth. I'm selling these expensive shares with no profits in them. And then later on say, I'm going to do the average cost. Exactly. That would be cheating. That would be cheating. So this is a tax advisor question. You have to determine what's the best option for you in each position and stick with whatever solution you choose. Sounds good. Okay, Ethan uh, wants to know, does it make sense to pay extra towards a mortgage with an extremely low interest rate instead of saving and investing? I, I mean, this is a question we get all the time from folks. I just had it yesterday with. in a meeting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, and it's an interesting one because financially speaking, Ethan here has a very low interest rate. If you're investing, depending on the risk you're taking, higher risk means higher reward over the long term, can it, but it can certainly be a more bumpy path along the way. If you have that low interest rate and you're investing, then oftentimes the numbers work in your favor if you invest yeah. because there's mm -hmm. the opportunity cost. If you have a mortgage rate of, of 3% hey, If you're paying right two and now, a half and you make five, you're making money by having that debt, right? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. You know, on the flip side, I will say that there is an emotional aspect to it. And if you have a robust financial plan and you have your finger on the pulse of your financial goals and your cash flow in the future, then there is value to being mortgage-free. 
to being debt-free. There's a lot of value to being debt-free. Yeah, the person I sat down with yesterday had a 3.5% mortgage and was earning about 3.5% on their money market. Retiring in two years, wants to get out of debt. Heck yeah. They they had the money, the emergency funds were there, and and why not pay it off, right? No, I agree with that. But if you're getting 5% in your money market... Yeah. Maybe it makes sense to just sit on that mortgage. That's a tough one. But yeah, I, I, I always err on the side of get out of debt. All right. Yeah. Ron, Ron is asking, he says, and when someone says a good friend of his, it's probably Ron's question, but he says <laughs> a good friend of his is invested in Bitcoin and has been trying to get me interested in investing in Bitcoin as well. I don't know anything about Bitcoin, but I'd like to know your opinion before I go ahead and put some money into it. I mean, if you don't know anything about what you're buying, you shouldn't buy it. <laughs> I think that's a good rule. Yeah. You know, if you don't understand how this functions, don't do it. But, you know, Bitcoin. It's Everybody's been buying Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's fear been in the news for out. years. And again, it's going back to the fear of missing out. And it's a greed aspect. How yeah. many times have we heard about people getting rich overnight by buying Bitcoin or whatever the cryptocurrency it is? Ron, More if like, you asked 10 years ago, the answer is, yeah, maybe throw a little bit of money in it. But that's because we would have had a crystal ball. Yeah, now we, now yeah. it's 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 speculation. There's a lot of risk involved. If it's play money that you're messing around with and you want to throw a little bit in the wallet or a digital wallet, whatever they call it, obviously I don't invest in crypto myself, yeah. uh, then, you know, sure. But I think it's important to go into it with an expectation that you're probably not going to be one of the people that get rich. And in, in the best of times, it's volatile. I, I mean, it's all over the place, you know? So if it yeah. goes up a lot, it can lose a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's been times in the past 10 years, it's gone down 50% in a right. year. In 10 years, in the last year, I think yeah. we saw a dip like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something where you have to be willing to lose the money. Okay. So, Laura's asking, I thought I did everything right. You guys tell me, pay off your credit cards every month, pay off your mortgage, keep just one credit card, no debt, and her credit number is going down, and she doesn't know why. Do you? Do we have any suggestions on how to keep her 850 credit score that she used to have, she wants it back. Do you need a credit score that high, Laura? I mean, that, that's eight. I think everybody wants a high credit score. 850 is the, the cream of the crop, the yeah. top 1%. There's not a big difference in what you're going to get in, in interest rates if you take a, a line of credit between 850 and, you know, 730. Seven, yeah, 730. So I, I would, you know, reframe this as, is it really something you need to stress out about? It's, is this it's, something that you need to worry about? It sounds about? Like, to me like she doesn't need to borrow money, which is the reason you would have a high credit score, right? Exactly. Yeah. But if, if she wants to improve it, there are things like making sure you keep open your old credit cards. They look at longevity. So the older the credit, the better the credit. And even though it may seem counterintuitive, actually running small balances and showing that on your statement is yeah. better than showing a zero balance. So may, maybe don't close the credit card, keep it open and use it once every couple months. Yep. And don't pay it off all the way, but leave a couple dollars on there. And they, that actually calculates into the amount of credit being used. And th- this is why we have him today. He, he actually answered Laura's question. I told you he was a smart <laughs> one in the room. Exactly. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby and Michael Coates. And Kathy is asking, she said she has, her her mother has her house paid for. It's only in her name. She's 85 years old. And she's gone ahead and listed herself and her siblings on the will to get the house after mom passes away. Does she have to go through probate or is there anything else she needs to do with the deed? Um, she's just not comfortable with probate. Michael, what, what, what do you think? Well, 
as it stands right now, with it just having them enlisted on the will, it will go through probate. And that's the definition of a will. It goes through probate to make sure that the will is carried out correctly. Correct. And probate is not a bad thing. It's basically putting out there for any creditors to get what they're owed. But it is a process we all go through. Um, what she should look at is, is a transfer on death option available for her deed to the house, and which is based upon the state. Yeah, so you need to talk to an attorney about that one, but the transfer on, uh, right. transfer on death on the deed can help alleviate that. Coming up next, the free money that millions of Americans are allowing to collect dust. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. All right, so if someone walked up to you and handed you $25, maybe 50 or even 100 bucks, what would you do with it? Would you put it on a shelf, forget about it? No, I don't think so, but that's exactly what thousands of people are doing with their gift cards. Yeah, according to a new bank rate study, nearly 47% of U.S. adults have at least one unused gift card, gift, gift voucher, store credit that's just sitting there not doing anything. Guilty. I, I mean, it happens. Yeah. You know, I've gotten I've gotten gift cards and you just, you know, put it on on the dresser or whatever and forget all about it. I, we learned a good hack. We we got bumped from a Delta flight voluntarily okay. so we could take a flight two hours later and 600 bucks in, in e-credits uh, for each of us. Nice. OK, so the, the hack is, all right, I might not want to use it to fly Delta. Um I got a Visa gift card. My wife figured out how to do it. So when some other expenses came up, I just used Delta's money to pay for car repair. Nice. Nice job. Works out well. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, the, the same study, it shows that, and, and this surprised me a lot, the average value per person that has gift cards that aren't using them is $187. That's yeah, there's 20, a lot of money out there. That's $23 billion nationwide that hasn't been spent because it's just sitting there in an old gift card. And, and I remember back when gift cards first started becoming popular, all of a sudden, you know, six months later, what do you mean it's $2 less? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's, <no. laughs> that's, that's the fee for not using it right away. Um, and, and, you know, luckily a lot of states have put laws into effect that, that allow you to keep most of the value for longer periods of time. Yeah, specifically Ohio, most gift cards, they must last at least five years. Yeah. And sellers, you, you bring up these, these inactivity fees. It has to be at least two years from the card's issue date before they can actually start charging you those fees. So, yeah. Thank you, I guess. Yeah. And there's nothing keeping you from regifting them if you're not going to use it. Or you can even add money back onto it and give it to somebody as a gift to them. Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of silly, but yeah, you know what works better than gift cards? Money. Cash. Yeah. No. Well, anytime there's a reason to give you a gift, you're getting a gift card, Steve. <laughs> and it's not going to be a new one. It's going to be one with an awkward amount on it. Like you're ever going to so give it's, me So anything. it's clear that it's a re-gift. <laughs> um, th th there's some of these places that they'll actually exchange it for you. Yeah. Um, so this is something you can use once I give you one. It's sites like Card Cash and Raise. They allow you to trade in your card for one that might be more appealing. Yeah. Or or just uh, you can sell them and take the cash. That yeah. Card the Cash. That they, the original they, they gifter would not give you. For a fee, of course. Hey, thanks for listening. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about the generation that needs to get its act together fast. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial on 55KRC, the talk station.